Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are going to finish off where we left off yesterday, tried to finish where we left off yesterday, and it's talking about teams. And I was very interested to read on our private Facebook page and some of the emails we received about people's opinions. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a little history on Julie and I's team rant, as Brad Inman has often referred to it as. We have, um, Julie and I had a real, Julie and I started out running a business that was real estate practice that was, as we frankly prescribed to all of you, which is essentially a business that's focused on profits first, okay, you know, where you try to make, your goal is to make 75 cents on every dollar. You can't do that. Some people this day will tell you, but absolutely you can. If you're an individual practitioner and you basically have got a very, you know, their assistants, they're there to assist you, someone to manage transactions, someone to manage your sellers, and someone who actually acts as a runner. If you're in an upper-end market, you need somebody who's going to be able to open doors for co-op showings, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Some markets, you have to be there for all showings, things like that. So, yes, the most successful agents we've ever coached in the United States have always had little groups of people, I don't like to use the word team, that were, because the word team has been bastardized so bad, so it confuses people, but they have little groups of people that work with them, and those little groups of people basically are paid a small base, and they're tied to production, and there's not these big, huge, long, drawn-out conversations about buyer agents and buyer agent leads, and these groups are not spending gobs of money generating leads and worrying about all the silliness that basically has become so normal in the real estate business. So to this day, that is the best business model, and that will always be the best business model as long as – now, it's not the best business model if, you're go, if your goal is to basically uh, you know, walk around like a peacock and say you sold hundreds of houses. If, you're, if your goal is to say I sold five or 600 houses and, and then the truth is you had you know, 20 or 30 people working for you, in my mind, it's, it's not that impressive. Because you're not making any profit or you're not making very much profit. In our minds, the litmus test of how efficient you are as a professional, as an entrepreneur, is your ability to make profit. Just turning transactions, guys, is easy versus making a profit. Because when you, to make a profit, you have to be willing to focus, follow one course until successful, and you have to be willing to not allow your ego in real estate that is difficult. I know it's difficult. I'm going to get back to my story in a second. Not allow your ego to get you off track. So our egos did get off track when Julie and I sold real estate. Our first two years, we had killer nets. We bought rental properties. We were saving money. And then we started getting associated with other people that were in these – this was back in the 90s through the Howard people who said, why don't you hire buyer agents? Why don't you form teams? And Julie and I, as many of you are now, blindly followed those people because we assumed that they were doing it with the idea of making more profit. We assumed they were giving us advice that would result in us being able to have more money to buy more rental properties and all the rest of it. We were wrong. And what we discovered is we, had, we did the team thing. I think we had – 
nine or ten buyer's agents. This was back in the 90s when nobody had buyer's agents. We had all the things that you guys now think are all new and novel. That shit's been around for decades. None of it's a new idea. But here's what we discovered, and I'll never forget the time we discovered it. Our then accountant, his name was Fred, was sitting in our kitchen. Fred came over every year to basically have us sign our tax returns. And I remember Fred. He was just an accountant. He wasn't a financial advisor or anything like that. But he brought in our tax return for this one particular year where Julie and I had won tons of awards, number one this, number one that. We went to events, uh, Howard events, and people would sing our praises. We had all this attention. This was back before we really got our coaching business really started. And then he showed us our net, our net that year. With all the staff and all the units, the amount of money that Tim and Julie made, you know, that we were paying taxes on, was the same as it had been two years before when we had two assistants. And when we were doing like, it wasn't even half, it was less than half of the amount of uh, units. That to me, that moment, that epiphany, this lightning strike was, we are on the wrong path. Because we've gotten away with what our, gotten too far away from what our original mission was, which was to make profits so we can essentially buy assets that produce income so that we'll be rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. You guys get it? But everywhere we'd went, people were, oh, you got to build a team. you got to do this. you got to do the other thing. We were getting brainwashed just like so many of you are now. And it's gotten worse, and I explained it to you guys yesterday. It is so much harder for all of you than it was for us to say not just no, but hell no to teams. And the reason is, is because everybody is in, in, in essentially is trying to force you to form teams. I'll just summarize. When you go to, and anyone but us, and this is true, when you go to a speaker, a presenter, a guru, a coach, or whatever, and you see that they have a bunch of sponsors there, and a bunch of sponsors are there to what? Sell you leads and sell you things that basically you need to buy as you're forming a team. They're reinforcing the idea that you're supposed to be buying a team. That guru, speaker, coach, whatever they're calling themselves, is beholden to his sponsors and the people paying him. And he is not going to – and he does know, of course. He just doesn't care. He's not, when you walk into a room and it says sponsored by Zillow, do you think anyone in that room on stage is going to say anything other than Zillow is the greatest thing since sliced bread? Come on, guys. This is just common sense. They're bought and sold. You know that. Now, here's the other side of it. Real estate brokerages have realized, well, hey, guess what? If we talk our agents, not all of them, I'm not saying this is true, and some of the real estate brokerages, frankly, the ones I have the most respect for, have actually tried to convince agents not to do teams because of the fact that they're less profitable for the agent. But anyway, a lot of brokerages out there have tried to expand and have successfully done so with the idea of everybody needs to either be in a team or forming a team. Team this, team that, expansion team, let's write books about it, it's the whole thing. Okay, why? Because recruiting agents is the shittiest job in real estate. It's the hardest job in real estate. You think taking listings is hard, try to recruit agents. I coach people that try to recruit agents as their jobs, team leaders, office managers, brokers, a hard, real, a thankless job if there ever was one. My heart goes out to all of you who do that for a living. So, hey, I got an idea. Let's convince the agents in our office that they have to hire licensees to work for them. Boom. I now expand my agent count. Let's convince them they have to hire armies of buyer's agents. Let's convince them. Let's convince them. And then it keeps on going. And then you get calls and emails from all these companies trying to sell you this, that, and the other thing with the idea that you're forming a team. Do you see how the whole industry is awash with bullshit? 
And that's the fact. If your goal is to make profit, if your goal is to make the most profit margins you possibly can, you need to say no to all those people trying to brainwash you into the cult, the cult of teams. It, it, look, again, be very clear. We are not against you guys scaling your business and expanding your business and doing more transactions and taking better care of your customers. Duh. What we are against is you guys pissing away all your money so you make no profit, basically just for the sake of doing transactions. Anybody who's been up that mountain before, like we had, and like so many of our friends who've been around, you know, like I think of Pat Hyben, who wrote a great book and we've had on our podcast before, he tells the truth about what exactly I'm telling you. The fellow we had on um, not so long ago who had the number one team in San Diego, he said the same exact, he said the biggest mistake he ever made, remember, number one team in San Diego was forming a team. How about that? Go to timandjulieharris.com and click on podcasts. You can listen to him say it himself. Steve Murray from Real Trends, he talks about that most uh, teams are making single-digit profits. What's the point of doing a team if you're not going to make profit? Assuming your mission in your business is to basically make enough profit so that you have enough money left over so you can reinvest it and so that in, into rental properties and giving yourself financial security. How many of you right now even have anything that resembles a retirement? How many of you right now have anything that even resembles any kind of decent savings account? What if you have a bad month? What if you have three bad months? Guys, listen, after September 11th, Julie and I were coaching, and I remember real estate transactions basically not right away, but 60 or 90 days later dropped like a rock. That was September 11th. After 2007 and 2008, that's when all the basic the tides went back out and all the people that were swimming naked were exposed. That's what happens with these big teams. That's what happens with all these people that are buying their business. That's going to happen again very soon because it's inevitable that there's going to be a recession sooner than later. So I want you to give yourself the opportunity to, if you're on the team path, to just take a breath and just say, what is my goal? Why did I get in real estate in the first place? Was it so that I could have my ass kissed and get, to, get a bunch of awards and plaques and whatnot? Or was it so that I can actually make a lot of profit, and with that profit I can get rich? So Julie and I, we did this team thing. We watched our net profits drop. We, you know, Our percent of revenue from top line to bottom line was not increasing so we decided it wasn't worth doing, and we got rid of all the teams. And then what we did is we went back, and we focused almost exclusively on listings, as we ask all of you guys to do. And our net profits went through the roof. It's not that difficult, but we had allowed ourselves back when we were in our late 20s and almost into our early 30s. We had allowed ourselves to basically start to go down the wrong path. And the wrong path? Now is the whole, basically virtually everything that you guys are listening or learning is 100% the wrong path if your goal is to make profit. I know it is impossible to believe sometimes that so many people can be wrong. In other words, how the industry can be so off, off track with basically what's best for agents. But I'm here to tell you that happens all the time, not just in our industry, but in history. There's all – did anyone – what was going on back before the housing recession happened, the big housing crash? What happened then? Was anybody, other than a few people on the fringes, was anybody you know, ex expecting that to happen? You know, the, the chief economist for National Association of Realtors was basically the biggest cheerleader for buying houses. Everybody was. And then what happened? How could so many people be wrong? Same thing's happening now with what people are doing, what agents are doing to build their businesses. Guys, please listen to what I'm saying. You need to recession-proof your business, and you need to 
basically lock in your profits so you guys can be rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. I don't mind coaching you when you're in your retirement age, when you're still having to basically hustle to make a living, but I would really prefer to make it so that you guys had some savings, that if I'm coaching you when you're in your 60s and your 70s, that you actually do have some you know, stakes in the freezer, because it is hard when you're in that age group, and some of you are, it is not as easy, and you guys will all agree with me, those of you who are in that age group, to get your hustle on than it was, say, 20 or 30 years before. So if you are in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, you need to take very close, pay very close attention to what I'm saying, and you need to be saving money. You need to be paying off debt. You need to be running a business where your product is profit. Do not have your head screwed on crooked about that. So Julie's got six or seven more points that she's going to share with you. Go ahead, Julie. Yes, you got it. And oh. uh, again, just yes. to remind everybody, if you missed yesterday, those were the first uh, three or four points. We're talking about specifically why real estate teams fail. And you went through many of those reasons. And we know because we lived through this, the erosion of the net. So it's not just because we're saying it, it's because we know it for a fact, not to mention, I don't know how many million coaching calls, quite literally. So just to recap quickly, I won't go through the whole point, but point number one, no lead generation or poor lead generation. Number two, the team leader doesn't actually have the skills themselves, so how can they hold anybody else accountable? Number three, the team leader was not just delegating, they were obfuscating, meaning they were delegating and basically not following through. Number four, little or no accountability. So we're going to start today with the rest, number five, in more detail. The team is more focused on culture, education, events, drama, and anything except profit. You just talked about that, going to different events and awards and getting all the attention in the articles and the press. Profitability isn't even discussed as a regular part of many team meetings or, quote, business planning meetings. So the focus isn't even on profit. It's on pretty much everything else. And let's be honest, that's the fun stuff while it lasts, but it's not sustainable. Point number six, too much emphasis on contacts, not enough on appointments, and ultimately on contracts closed. And Tim, I have to say on this one, I think that this is not just a team leader and or an agent uh, misstep. I think it's also something that amateur coaches focus on. Well, you've got to do more contacts. Let's, let's mo you know, how many contacts did you let's make? Let's modernize. Let's modernize your point, though, right? So by contact, she means basically a conversation with the decision-making adult, but the, the contact is also going to be those of you basically who think that making a Facebook comment or contacting people digitally or contacting people through email or contacting people through SMS, contacting people passively, those are all basically the wrong focus as well. When you guys reward yourselves for having made a billion contacts to, you know, because you sent out a bunch of postcards, because you this, the other thing, none of that counts. I need you guys to stop thinking of that as a contact. It's not. A conversation is simply a, decision, a conversation with a decision-making adult uh, with, with the intent of basically ideally taking a listing. That's the only contact that counts. All the rest of this stuff you just need to forget about. The digital marketing, you know, I'm over in Inman and I see, you know, this, you know, digital marketing guru wearing his plaid jacket talking about Facebook ads. It makes my teeth itch because I feel so sorry for most of you out there who don't have the business acumen, I'm not being condescending, I'm just being honest, to realize that's bullshit. Anytime anyone tries to get you to do anything that's passive, opposed to getting right in front of somebody that wants to sell a house, 
anybody that's telling you that somehow you can go, you basically throw out a bunch of hooks in maybe one day a fish will bite, they're lying to you. You don't have the time to wait, okay? That's the other bottom line. Like I had somebody email me recently, Julie. You know, I'm talking to so-and-so a big marketing company, and they're working on my brand, Blah. you know, and they're working on my logo. Blah. That's my reaction. And they want me to do this big direct mail piece. And I said, okay, fine. You know, this was a listener. It wasn't a coaching client. So I said, okay, fine. So what are they asking from you money-wise? And what's the time frame before, based on their, you know, as much as they will, guarantee some sort of response? And you know what the response was? A year. And the commitment was, was $3,500 a month. A year. Spend $40,000, and maybe you'll get a lead in and a wait. year. And this – yeah, but here's the thing. Here's what the agent said. Well, but Tim, in that time, I'll be establishing my brand in the marketplace. I'll be branding myself in the marketplace. When people think of real estate, they'll think of me. No, they won't. doesn't work that way. That's just an elegant lie. I get it. It's seductive as hell, but that's not the way it works. doesn't. You guys are wasting your money and your time, and 99% of you listening – you have neither the time nor the money to waste. You don't look. If you come to real estate and you've got a million dollars socked away, and you want to basically long tail all these things, maybe gamble, but maybe eventually, over two or three years, you'll start getting a benefit from your, you know, direct mail piece or your long-term campaign. Then go for it. You've got the money to waste. But for 99% of you, you don't get into real estate with deep pockets, do you? So you need to make money now. You don't want to waste time trying to build your brand. Look, guys, do you respond to people because of their brand? Do you hire a dentist because they have the pretty logo? Do you? No. So why is anyone going to think of you that way? The way people go about choosing a real estate professional has been the same way forever. Uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before. I'm not going to talk about it today, but I have news for you. Branding and logo isn't even the top ten. How many postcards you mailed to them isn't even the top ten. Okay? Fact. So I want you really to realize that a contact is you talking with or meeting with, frankly, a decision-making adult who has a house to sell. That's a contact. That's how you get paid. That cuts through all the bullshit. You are right there in front of somebody who can actually do business with you. Doesn't that just make sense intuitively? Next point, Julie. Yeah, you got it. So next point is number seven, lack of exposure to a fully functional and profitable team model, believing that it's normal to struggle to have feast and famine. It doesn't take very long for agents to start believing that. It almost starts the second you even get your license when your broker or your teammate, op, you know, your manager or team leader says, well, you can expect to starve for about six months, or you can expect to do a couple of deals with people you know and then starve for six months. They make that sound like it's okay and normal. What job in the real world would you take if your boss said that to you? It just doesn't even make sense. So lack of exposure to a really great functional profitable model, which is one of the reasons we wrote the Harris Rules book, so that you would have that exposure. So if you don't have that yet, easy to go to Amazon and get it. Point number eight, and this is something we do see a lot in coaching, a mixture of jobs on a team. For example, buyer's agents who are part-time transaction coordinators assistants who also do marketing, jacks of all trades but masters of none. When you set your team up that way, you have built-in lack of accountability because they can always say, well, you know, I didn't do the transaction work because I had to go work with a buyer. 
and then somebody in contract gets their deal screwed up. An assistant who also supposedly does your marketing. Well, they don't even know what they're supposed to do on a daily basis. So this mixture of jobs can also erode a team. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? No, I mean, but the real, the real, where people get confused anymore is when they start focusing too much on buyer sides. When you start basically buying buyer leads, as soon as you take that call from Zillow and you think it's a good idea to spend $5,000 a month, a month and then buy a bunch of buyer leads to sprinkle on buyer's agents, the second you have that thought, you've lost. Okay? You have because it's a slippery slope. You just need to ditch all of that thinking and just focusing on being a listing agent. Is there a single one of you listening right now that would rather have, if you have a choice between having, I'll even try to keep it realistic, 30 buyers that are working, you're working with or 10 listings? Who wouldn't take the 10 listings? And yet, why do so many of you chase the 30 buyers? This doesn't even make sense when you put it that way, does it? Because you don't know how to go after the listings is the only answer. That's what we teach you how to do. If you guys want a free coaching call, just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Look, real estate is a blessing. I really, truly mean that. We get emails because of the podcast from people that aren't even in the real estate business. You know, business people, entrepreneurs, because our podcast gets shared through iTunes. And, you know, if you like this podcast, you might like that podcast kind of thing. So it's cool. We get a lot of diverse listeners. But I'll tell you the thing that I get this question frequently is people will say, well, I'm thinking about buying a franchise or I'm thinking about a lot of insurance people listen to us. You know, I, I'm thinking about this or the other thing. What should I do? It's like I can't come up with a better solution to your answer other than get your real estate license. It's the truth, you know, because real estate is such an amazing business, such an amazing way for you to make money, and yet so many of you don't. Isn't that incredible? I mean, NAR says the average household income of an agent is $75,000, but that's not the whole truth because that's, not, that's the total household income. So if there's another job, if there's a spouse that's working, if there's a pension, if there's a whatever, it's total household income. So who knows what the average agent actually makes? It's probably less than 25 grand a year. How does that not even make sense considering how many houses get sold in the country every year? Considering, frankly, how simple this business is, assuming you're following one plan. Why do so many agents fail out of this business? I used to be – well, it's lack of skills, obviously. That's the low-hanging fruit. But honestly, I think nowadays it's the lack of leadership. It's the lack of people who are willing to tell new agents that this stuff is just silly because they don't know any better themselves, frankly. Most people don't know that buying leads is just essentially an exercise in futility. Guys, if you want buyer leads, take one listing and hold, the open house, hold an open house on it every weekend. You have more buyers than you know what to do with. Not a single agent who's ever had a listing right now listing will uh, disagree with me. How hard is it to take a single listing? It's easy. Why don't you just go do it? Then take five more. You'll never want to waste money buying business and looking for the easy button again. Learn to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, guys, and your life changes. It really does. Julie, I believe you have two more points. Yes, but you just did one of them, which is driving revenue into the ground ah. through the addiction of buying leads. <laughs> okay, so you made that point. So I'm going to backtrack by one, which is related to that, the overpaying of buyer's agents. I mean, if you think mm. about the percentage of the deal they're actually doing, they really should be making maybe 20%. When you generate the lead, right. you convert the lead, you pre-qualify the lead, you paid for the marketing in some cases for that lead. You certainly paid and for it with your it. time, energy. Then it goes back to your transaction coordinator who actually finishes the deal, and then you close it. Why in the world would any buyer agent make 50%, 60%, even 70% in some cases? Because you feel guilty not doing the deal. 
Well, but Julie, here's how they rationalize it, it okay? Because you've yeah. had this conversation sure. before. I've had people who have big teams who have heard Julie and I rant on basically the fact is your profit, your product is your profit, and all that. So they ask for coaching calls with us. They get coaching calls with us, and we ask them about their teams. And they always start out the same way. They want to brag about their production. As soon as I hear somebody on a coaching call tell me about how many hundreds of homes that they've sold, I know that they have no money saved, and I know that they have no profit. So here's what I say, and those of you who are thinking about asking for a coaching call who have a big team trying to figure out what direction to go, this is how your coaching call with me is going to go. The second question I'm going to ask is, tell me about your buyer sides. What are you spending on buying buyer leads? You're going to give me some ridiculous amount of money you're spending on buyer leads. You're going to tell me about all your buyer's agents. You're going to tell me about your team culture, and you're going to tell me about all this stuff that has nothing to do with profit. Yes, that is what you will do. Now, then I'll say, well, have you ever figured out what your actual profit for buyer transaction is? You will say, well, I figured it out before, yes, and it's just the other thing. And then I'll say, bullshit, you've never actually done it, and then you'll admit you never actually have done it, and then we'll do it on the call. Okay? I've had this call before. <laughs> and then we'll do the math, and then with a little bit of math, you and I will figure out that you are making no profit on your buyer side transactions, or virtually none. Not enough to be worth doing when you factor in all the time and expense that goes into that buyer side, paying the buyer's agent, generating the lead, closing the transaction, all the rest of it. You are making literally, okay, then we'll have that epiphany, and you'll say, okay, that's fine. I'm making no profit on my buyer's trade. And I've had this conversation with people selling inexpensive properties and very expensive properties, and the conversation always ends in the same spot. Okay, fine. So you're not making any – they'll say, okay, I'm not making any off my buyer's transactions. I'll say, where are you making your money? Well, that's how I'm smart, Tim. This is what they say to me. I've got my buyer's agents. Even though I'm spending all this money, I'm not making any profit, but they're covering virtually all my business overhead. So the money I make from the listings that I take <laughs> basically go to my profit. And I say to them, I say, so how much of the overhead do you have that you have in place is just to support those buyer side transactions that you're not making any money off of. So even if you got rid of the buyer whole thing, how many, how many more deals could you do if you just focused all your best energy done listings and not running the adult daycare, daycare I, a, a, a.k.a. running a team? Okay, that's the epiphany. Then they realize, holy shit, you're right. I should just be focusing nothing on listings. I know how to do it. I can kick some serious ass. You refer your buyer leads, the, ones, the random ones that you get from your listing leads, you refer those off. If you don't want to work them, which you won't because you'll have enough listings, you won't have to anymore. You refer them off to other agents in your office or whatever for 25 or 30%. They'll stand in line for those leads. You'll actually make more net profit referring those buyer leads off to independent agents. There's lots of agents out there that will never chase listings, so you don't even have to worry about them keeping that relationship because they probably won't even be in the business when that buyer wants to go to sell their house again. A sad fact, but a fact nonetheless. So you can keep serve, you can keep that transact that buyer who bought in your centers of influence and past client list even after that other agent sells them. Okay, you can still work that. So when they go to put the house for sale, you still have that relationship. Who cares? You guys following me here? So the moral of the story is focus all your best energies on becoming listing agents. So this is the epiphany. This is when they say to me, Why hasn't anyone told me this before? Why is it that I read a book, you know, 15 years ago that told me I should form a team? Why is it this? Why is the other thing? And then I'll say, well, this is what I say. I say, well, I'm sorry you had that experience, but now that you know the truth, that basically you were following a business model that did not result in you making profit, it's up to you to make a decision. And this is where the ego comes into the conversation. This is where you start really getting at the heart of why they did the team in the first place, because they have their sense of identity attached to the team. 
They see themselves as a certain way. They like going to an event and having a little tree, uh, entourage of people following them. They are a team in their minds. That gives them a sense of an identity. That's an ego thing. It has nothing to do with profit. They have exchanged. They have literally said, I'd literally rather have the ego satisfaction that I get in real estate of doing a lot of units, even though I don't make any profit from those units, and having a big team than I would having a lot of profit. Because the last question I always ask them is, how much money do you have saved? And almost always they have virtually no money saved considering the amount of money they've earned. So I'll ask, how much money did, you, did your group, did your team earn in the last five years? And I'll hear sometimes huge numbers, $20 million, $30 million, $40 million commission. How much do you have saved? And they'll say, oh, I'm putting it all back in my business. I'll hear that a lot. I'm putting it all back in my business. Oh, you are. So you have no money saved, in other words. Well, I've got some rental properties. So you have those paid off? Oh, no, they have mortgages on them. Okay, got it. So you have how much money saved in your 401s? Well, maybe there'll be some money saved for retirement. Okay, so other than that, do you have? No, they haven't saved any money because they haven't had the money to save because it's been going into running their business. Do you guys understand? This is not new information for the industry. The industry has known this forever. This is new, if this is new information for you, why don't you do yourself a favor? And remember why you got into real estate in the first place. If it was for the ego, if it was to have your picture on a billboard even though no one ever calls, if it was to have a bunch of awards and plaques in your office, you know, if it was for all those reasons, honestly, we're not the coaching company for you. You're not in it for what basically the purpose of any business is, which is to make a profit, unless, of course, it's a nonprofit. Even those have to make profit, by the way. They just don't keep any of it. So the moral of the story is if you're in this business to make a profit, in order to have the ability to become rich where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money, i.e. profit gets reinvested into rental properties, rental properties get paid off. You now have retirement. You now have positive, passive income. You now actually have a way of having a, an alternative so that financial ape is no longer on your back. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Why not make that your reality? You can, you know, it, there's always going to be great investments, but if, unless you have the cash, you're not going to be able to take advantage of them. You guys following me all of this? It's up to you to make the decision to run a profitable business or not. It's very easy and normal to run a non-profitable real estate practice, a non-profitable brokerage. That's the way that most people do it because they're seduced by all the messaging that's out there that's false. It's fake. You don't need a fancy logo, guys. You don't need a fancy slogan. You don't need a fancy even website. I was just dabbling around with Squarespace two days ago. You can make a kick-ass website on Squarespace in like 20 minutes for virtually nothing. You don't need anything more than that. Why would you? You don't need 99% of the things that you think you need. You just need the skill set to become a listing agent. When you do that, you will be free. Please listen to what I'm saying, guys. Don't punish yourself anymore. Don't punish your family anymore. Get control of your life. Those of you who like to say you don't have any life balance, it's because of the fact that you're not prominently a listing agent. Look, guys, I've got to go to a conference call. If there's anything I can do for you, anything Julie can do for you, you know, obviously always reach out to us. It's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And also, guys, we really sincerely appreciate you continuing to make this the number one listen to pod, daily podcast for agents. It is a great honor to be of service to so many of you on such a regular basis, and I mean that with all sincerity. I would love to see some of you at the Harris VIP Mastermind event the last Saturday in July. 
Um, we are booking some really, you know, really cool people that are going to be presenting. I've just arranged to have um, a guy that, okay, I'll just tell you, I won't tell you his name, but he's basically the number one Ferrari salesman in the United States is going to be presenting at the event, talking about what it's like to sell to millionaires and billionaires. Why a Ferrari salesman would be influential on helping you guys build your real estate businesses? Because obviously those people that are buying those cars are also buying luxury homes. Wouldn't it be interesting to learn from his perspective on how he's been able to sell literally thousands of $300, $500 million cars? Wouldn't it be interesting to hear directly from him? Maybe you can learn some things. I'm sure you can. So listen, guys, go to harrisvipmastermind.com. It's the last Saturday in July um, in Georgetown, which is just a snitch bit north of Austin. In the meantime, if you need us for anything, it's Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. You guys can listen to any of our past shows at iTunes or Stitcher. Just go over to our website, timandjulieharris.com, and click on podcasts. They're all there for your listening pleasure. Have a fantastic day, guys. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.